Welcome to the Safeguarding Podcast. In each episode, we discuss a different topical safeguarding issue with a range of different guest speakers. Please be aware some of this content is sensitive and listener discretion is advised. Hello everyone, welcome to the Safeguarding Podcast. My name's Georgia Latif, I'm the Content Manager here at the Safeguarding Company. Really excited today to be joined by Rob Hattersley, who's a Managing Director at 360 Skills for Life. Welcome Rob. Hi there. Um, could you tell me a little bit about yourself and about your company, 360 Skills for Life? Yeah, um, as I say, my name is Rob Pattersley and I've set up a social enterprise called 360 Skills for Life, uh, which is using virtual reality, a virtual reality streetscape called Skill City, to teach young people a wide range of uh, skills for life, uh, the clues in the, in the, uh, in the title, um, that perhaps it isn't covered through the academic curriculum or even the careers curriculum, all the sorts of things to do with staying safe and making decisions, managing your finances, all, all that kind of thing, uh, which we've only just set up in the last 12 months. So it's all been a, a post-pandemic um, operation. That sounds wonderful. So why, can you tell us a little bit more about SkillCity and why you've gone for a virtual learning platform? Yeah, so the, the history of this, uh, and some listeners may may have visited some of these centres, uh, is that uh, around the UK there are still some uh, physical buildings, with big big warehouses essentially, where when you when you walk into them there are street layouts, full size street layouts inside these these warehouses. They're called safety centres, um, and these have been built by often the public sector, fire services, police, uh, or councils, and some are charities, and they teach children. Um, safety skills so they go and learn how to cross a road by crossing a real street it's a bit like a film set Mm. Um, and we ran um, I've run several of these in Birmingham and and now in in Dorset and uh, during Covid uh, these became uneconomic because schools couldn't afford to visit well couldn't visit and therefore we lost income but rather than give up we thought actually we could do this virtually so um, that's the history of it we've created a virtual street layout which you can navigate um on a school's big screen, an interactive whiteboard or, or interactive screen, desktop or um, laptop or, or tablet. Um, you can walk around the street, you can cross roads, you can go into houses. Um, we've got um, vehicles on there. We've got a supermarket, um, police station, fire station. There's a park. It's a, it's a very realistic urban environment. There's even a station on there. We've, we've planned for a countryside section. And um, it's a, so it's a very experiential sort of learning experience that young people are in a real environment they're presented with uh, dilemmas so they get given a, a decision to make rather than telling them we're not telling them anything that we give them a dilemma and they've got to make a choice it's teacher-led so the teacher will uh, say well what are we going to do at this point we've got a problem here haven't we and see what the students what the young people think about it and guide them through a set of set of choices Okay, could you, um, not to put you on the spot or anything, but could you give us an example of one of these um, dilemmas that a child might face? Absolutely. So um, we will be covering all different sorts of topics. So uh, you know, there might be road safety dilemmas about how you're going to cross a street, uh, but that's for the future. The, the safeguarding platform that we have now launched um, just this last week, um, one dilemma might be um, a friend has found that they go home after school and there's a pattern where their friend is going home with them, eating loads of, eating a huge amount, and then yeah. going to the toilet for a um, for a long time after that. And the friend is getting concerned, what's going on, what's all this about? So one of the dilemmas is how would you deal with that? Not jumping to conclusions, but making sure that you can act appropriately and support your friend in what is probably, possibly an eating disorder, 
um, or um, perhaps having a, some sort of a mental health crisis. And these are really gritty, difficult topics for children to deal with. Um, another another example um, might be, again, a, a student, a child, young person goes home and one of their parents is, has been, someone's attacked them in the home. And again, there's a bit of first aid in there. There's a bit of getting emergency help. Yeah. And there's a bit of thinking, how did this happen? Because they're denying that anyone's hit them. They're saying they've just fallen over, but it doesn't seem quite right. So we cover yeah. domestic violence. You know, this first strand, we've we've kind of tackled the hardest topics first, because things like road safety and even, you know, financial literacy are quite, um, they're not easy, but it's clear how you can teach those to children. But safeguarding is a really difficult topic that's very personal. Yeah. Um, and one of the, the reasons that we've done what we've done is, and gone for this topic first, uh, partly because the NHS, who are funding this, um, said it was their, one of their top concerns, and please can we cover it first? Um, but, but but also it's because um, it's it, it's a topic that teachers really know that they want to deal with. They're dealing with these things in the classroom day in day out. But all the work in schools is quite right. You know, this is all this is all positive. You know, people are improving their safeguarding processes. The safeguarding company helps with that. They're improving the way they report, the way people act on things. But there is a gap in how do teachers talk to children and raise these issues in the classroom as part of the curriculum to make conversations positive and safe, but make children and young people feel that they're not on their own, that they can get help knowing what to do and also have confidence. Because a lot of the time, um, you know, I'm coming from a teaching background and um, children are very easily blame themselves for anything that happens in their lives. It's all, they always feel it's their fault. And to understand they're not on their own, it's not their fault, and there is help available, yeah. is really critical for their mental well-being. And that's that's partly why we tackle that subject first. Of course. And I think, like, working in the safeguarding company, we're always talking about helping educators and adults to safeguard and protect children. But I think you're right, and there also needs to be a step there to empower children with the skills to actually start to safeguard themselves and each other. Because at the end of the day, you might see things that happen to your friends outside of school hours. Teachers are only with children for a certain amount of hours in the day. And as we've seen with the lockdowns and the pandemic and everyone learning from home, I think what you're doing is really important. So, yeah, amazing work. Um, what well, age range? Sorry, uh, you go ahead. The age range for the pilot, which has just launched, is 10 to 14. So it's, it's yeah. year six in, in English schools, um, uh, primary seven in Scotland. Um, and, um, uh, and it goes up, covers year, key stage three because the NHS said that key stage three is where they get a lot of presentation of these issues that they, they have to deal with. Um, we're really keen to extend the age range down as fast as we can when we've got yeah. because we want to start early prevent early preventative work early on. But that transition from, you know, potentially a primary school uh, where there's quite, uh, you know, there's perhaps only one or two other classes. They know all the teachers. They're in the, the same teacher for a lot of the time. Suddenly going to a secondary school where you've got to go on your own to school. You're no longer taken by parents. You might have to catch the bus. Um it's a huge, a huge change. Now, some parts of the country have got middle schools where that change is staggered, but in a lot of the country, children are going from a very, what probably feels like a very safe, protected environment where there's a lot of interaction between parents and teachers to suddenly, and I remember this with my own kids, they're suddenly going to the secondary school and you sort of lose all contact. Um, so that's why we've covered that, that transition phase 
first, uh, but we do okay. want to extend it. We do want to extend it down. Um, just just going back to your point about the, the issue about what topics to cover and um, yeah, uh, getting uh, helping children to understand the situation that they find themselves in. It's not just about, um, for example, like a, you know, a safeguarding issue where an adult is um, is mistreating or abusing a child. The other thing about this approach is that sometimes the child themselves may realise they are actually not doing the right thing by their peers, or, or that a friend is, you know, what someone they think is a friend is actually not a, not behaving appropriately to them, and they didn't, they kind of, they didn't like it, but they didn't realise it was inappropriate. Um, because a couple of the scenarios that we've got. Um, I don't want to explain them all too much because I'd really like listeners who are teachers to actually go onto the platform and, use and try it. Um, but, um, you know, a couple of the scenarios are around peer-on-peer abuse, for example, um, or parental. Uh, the one scenario, which is a very difficult scenario, is where actually a parent is being violently attacked by a child. Oh, OK. And it, it may, there may be, what we're hoping is there may be situations where that's happening, but the child actually thinks that's quite normal behaviour for a child. And yeah. in the less, to, for it actually to be said, no, that's not appropriate, and that is abuse, but it's going in the opposite direction to the way you'd normally expect it, um, you can cover these issues. And the whole aim is to reduce, the, this isn't about reporting so much, although it's, it is linked to that. It's actually about reducing harm in the first place. It's basically educating, isn't it? Like, um, the point you made before around, um, peer on peer abuse, I think we tend to associate that with, um, like young people in their teenage years, a little bit older. But in reality, coercive behavior and bullying and that controlling friendship can start in children quite young. So I think you're really right in saying that if children hear that those actions are not appropriate and it's doing harm, they might reflect on themselves and go, oh, actually, I treat my best friend like that. I don't like it when she goes and plays with other people. I want her to just play with me. And maybe that's not appropriate behavior. So I think it is really, like you said, it's important lessons for children to be learning. So I guess with the safeguarding module, it's a lot about, like you said, educating rather than reporting. And you also mentioned a few things like road safety. What are some other either streams in the future, topics that you'd really like to look at or topics that you currently offer? Um, well, in the in the current module on safeguarding, we've, we've got things like um, being one of the modules is called Being Kind Online. Um, there's, I'm really concerned, I'm sure lots of listeners are really concerned about the mental health of young people and yes. the link uh, to mental health with social media. And there's a very clear well, correlation isn't causation, but there is a very clear correlation between increased social media use and increased uh, self-harm, uh, poor body image, poor mental well-being. Yes. Um, but rather than standing in front of a class and sort of wagging your finger and saying, come off social media, don't do this, don't do that, do this because it's healthy. The process we've got is giving young people dilemmas and encouraging them to explore why they're feeling like they are, what might cause it. And they, they discover for themselves, actually, perhaps those kind of posts or that kind of social media use is actually making me ill. But they discover it for themselves. And then we put in, um, again, ex- through an exploratory uh, framework in, a, in this realistic um, environment, um, what they might do about it and ha- what help they can get. So we're covering things like, um, as I say, um, it links with bullying as well, but um, social media posts about, somebody's body image, which were very cruel, um, how it affects their mental well-being, 
uh, unhealthy relationships. We, we cover, um, we also cover a little bit about knife crime and drugs supply and county lines. Someone's pressured into taking a bag of drugs at one point, again, without spoiling the story. Um, and what can they do about it? Uh, what yeah. is the risk? What is the risk to them? So we are covering already a lot of safeguarding topics, not just in terms of abuse, but in terms of mental well-being and, and, um, and just basic things like, um, Asking children, how do you feel when you've been outside for half an hour? And how do you feel when you've been on your video game for half an hour? Yeah. Not telling them what to do, but just get them to at least reflect about it, because a lot of children won't necessarily reflect on it. And then in future, we, we want to, we've already started planning to extend the safeguarding strand down all the way to key stage one, uh, so four-year-olds, because yeah. at the moment it's only 10 to 14. And um, some of the themes will be the same, but age appropriate. There may be other themes which we will include that aren't appropriate an older age group. And we'll, yeah. we'll, once we've drafted it, we'll be seeking advice from our NHS police partners and the safeguarding company who we're working very closely with yeah. um, on the content of of that phase two. Um, and then future phases, we, we, we want to cover things like um, active travel. So, you know, encouraging, uh, well, so not encouraging, we will be encouraged, but they'll find it out for themselves. Helping children to plan journeys, work out, is the car the best option? What's the effect on air quality? Could I, how do I catch a bus? How do I plan a journey? What happens if I miss my stop? Which are real concerns for a young person going to school. Uh, what do I do about antisocial behaviour on the bus? Um, is it safe to walk? Road safety and bikes all come into that. That's yeah. one strand. We've got conversations going on with financial um, education um organisations around budgeting and money management, which is something that, you know, people can get an A in maths and end up not being able to manage their own budgets because it's applied maths as a different skill to to the sort of maths that sometimes we, we, we teach our children. I think um, people forget that, don't they? That in reality, when we're at school, we learn very few of these valuable life skills before we go out into the yeah. real world. Yeah. Like, I don't remember ever being taught about budgeting or like cook, cooking, how to change the um, how to change a tire on a car, none of that. So, yeah, yeah this all sounds like very valuable information yeah. for people to be learning. So we've got we've got yeah you're right we've got a whole whole lot of ideas for for future strands and they all the curriculum artificially divides things just because we have to organise you know we have to organise the curriculum some way but actually there are links between all these topics and children that walk to school and eat healthily and get outside are going to be better even from a safeguarding angle. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and if we can reduce the pollution at the school gate from cars idling and being driven to school, that's that's going to help there. The, you know, there are links between that and their physical and mental health as well. So yeah. these things are all connected. Um, and we've got a two or three year plan, uh, depending on our funding, you know, the funding uh, strategy to get all these uh, topics in the learn in Skill City uh, so that teachers can switch on the module that they want. So if they want to cover safeguarding for year, for year five, they can do. But if they want to do active travel at year three they can they can, yeah. they can switch that one on and turn the other one off a really important part to, to emphasize is this is not just about it's not about putting a headset on a child and kind of expecting vr to reprogram them because it's it, first of all we're not using headsets because this is a collaborative it's about children having discussions with their teacher in the classroom i was about to ask you that how the sessions actually work so is it like traditional classroom learning where they all talk about it together so when faced with a dilemma is it majority rules over what decision the children make or does one child volunteer and you just go down that route to see how it plays out 
Really, really good question, and re- the answer is it's up to the teacher. So okay. <laughs> it's not a cop out. That's because we really want. No, to no, th- th- I think that's good. <laughs> yeah, because because you know uh, we're both uh, Sue and I have written the program, but we're both teachers ourselves, and it's really important teachers read these resources and understand them first, and decide what's appropriate for their children. Partly because some of the topics may not be appropriate, and they need to make that decision. We've we, we, we've we've specified which age group we think it will work with, but it is up to the teachers' final decision on that. And then the delivery method, it, it works just as well you, uh, with using any group size. So you could have a whole class, big screen, making collective decisions by majority vote. But having said that, when they made a decision, they can reverse it. They can try a different a different answer and see whether the outcome is different. So it's very exploratory like that. You, unlike in real life, you can undo a decision and make a different decision. In fact, I, I quite like that idea. Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, but, but, but equally, it will work on laptops or tablets. So you could do that as a class, demonstrate it, and then give it to small groups and say, right, I want you to go away and explore this. Um, and, you know, write down what you decided and what the outcome was and whether you thought that was the best thing you could have done and what, the, what were there any problems. And then feedback at the end of the lesson. And what I was going to say was, um, we've got every, every dilemma. So, uh, we've got 36 missions in there at the moment. And every one of them, we've got lesson plans that go with those dilemmas. So there's a full lesson plan that the teacher can download or use on an iPad. Uh, potentially for several lessons, different work. It depends on how the teacher wants to use it. So they're not just given a VR resource and said, get on with it. They're actually given a lesson plan and a scheme of work that they can use across a whole terms, you know, possibly a term or two of, of learning in school. And then the third element is there's a set of follow-up resources so when they've done, for example, the issue on, um, on, on the knife, you know, carrying a knife and the fact that that actually makes you, puts you more at risk than it does by not carrying one, which is the opposite to what some young people would think. Mm. Um, uh, then signpost you to, will signpost you to other work, other work from the police or knife crime charities on, on that topic from other providers. So we're not offering, we're offering a, a standalone resource, but we are signposting to lots of other partners, including people like yourselves at the Safeguarding Company. Yeah, I think that sounds amazing because sake of thinking like, oh, I've done that, I can tick the box, off we go. When in reality, every topic, it, there's always a need for um, like the exploration and for everything to keep continuing. And like you said, being able to signpost to other companies that also have other resources can be very valuable for people who might think, mm. oh, I want a little bit more out of that. I need a bit more information. And it sounds like you've done a really good job to make it very supportive for the teachers to actually supply them with the lesson plans and the resources and not just say, here's the dilemma, off you go. <laughs> yeah. I think that sometimes there's a tendency, and this, this sort of underlies the 360 concept really, but a tendency for agencies to think, it, we've got a problem, right, Let's, I mean, the extreme example, let's have a colouring competition or let's do a PowerPoint or let's do a video and then throw it at schools and expect them just to use it. Yeah. Our approach is very different. We are, we are trying to make, we're trying to empower and train teachers to be in the, in the safeguarding area to be safeguarding teachers that actually teach this directly themselves. And we're, so yeah. rather than doing, rather than us doing it, we've got ideally every teacher in the country having useful, positive conversations with their class about these topics in the classroom and feeling supported because they know what to say because our lesson plans and the, and the further resource and advice will empower the teachers to do that. So not only are you empowering children and young people with the skills for life, you're also empowering the teachers with the skills to be able to teach the subject matter and maybe 
a less traditional way than normal teaching. Because I think I agree with you. And after the pandemic and the lockdowns, virtual learning and using digital elements has become very popular in schools. What do you think about um, the Skill City and 360 Skills for Life and your approach for making it interactive? What do you think about that in regards to how children will respond to it? Do you think an interactive element is always better for child response? Absolutely, because um, there's, a, there's an old saying, you know, if you, if you, if you show me, I'm going to forget the quote now, but if you show me, I forget. If I, and if basically if I do it, I remember. There's another yeah. bit I've temporarily forgotten. Um, <laughs> it, uh, our motto is discuss, decide, do. Uh, we can put a dilemma in front of that as well. So you give, a, give the children a dilemma. So they're not passively receiving information. They're given a problem. When you get a problem, you have to respond. I mean, one of the responses, I'm going to ignore the problem, but that's still a response. You're forced yep. them. Each child has to think, what would I do? What would I do? So that they're completely engaged right from the start. The VR element is a really useful tool because they're not having a, they're not having to imagine the kitchen where the parents on the floor having had an accident. They can see it. They're, they're standing there. They're the user on the screen and they can see it. Um, they're in the park surrounded by a group of other uh, young people that are you know, behaving quite aggressively. They, they, it, it really puts them in that situation. They have to respond. So that kind of interactive response type learning, it, I think, as a teacher myself, I've always found really powerful when you give children a dilemma. Children are far more mature often than adults, I think. They, 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 because they treat, they come up with things in a far more honest, factual way than all the kind of conditioning and the opinions and things that we have as, as older adults. They react really well to giving them a problem and they come up with some fantastic solutions and you sometimes think actually can you run the government because I think you <laughs> potentially you, you really understood this if you I've always been inspired by uh, the youth parliament that was on channel four years years back the quality of the debates was fantastic and I think if you give children those dilemmas they explore things for themselves but what's really important is as I've alluded to before what we're not doing is saying technology has all the answers Skill City is just the start. Skill City is yeah. where there's a tool for the teacher to get kids engaged, present them with dilemmas and start a discussion. There's yeah. then the powerful bit of the learning is then away from the screen in the classroom in discussions and classroom activities where the children take much more ownership of what they're doing and really embed the learning. That's the powerful bit. They're actually yeah. having conversations with each other. If we design this for headsets, every child will be learning, indi- probably learning individually on a, in a personalised experience not relating to their, their classmates. And that yeah. is really important for us, for mental health as much as a learning learning style. Um, Do you and think as well, um, in learning together and hearing what everyone else needs to say about the dilemmas, it'll make them more open to other people's experiences and opinions yeah. and maybe more empathetic as well? Absolutely. because the, Yes, because a good teacher will... In some of these dilemmas, there will be differences of opinion. One child A is going to say, I think you should do that, and child B says, oh, I'm going to do that. The teacher models constructive disagreement and says, well, all right, I, I don't agree with you, Ben, but I'm interested, why Why do you think that? What What made you think that? And, and explore, demonstrate how to be respectful to Ben because you, when you disagree with him, rather than just yeah. saying, saying he's an idiot or, you know, or that's completely wrong. Um, but also modelling how to ask questions, because Ben may be wrong, but the best way of getting Ben to understand that he's wrong is by questioning and making him work it out for himself. 
Yeah. And I think that's a really powerful classroom tool uh, to, to use and actually makes for fantastic lessons because, you know, when I was I was a primary teacher, and the, the best lessons were always when you've got children really engaged with something, that they feel really passionate, they've got an opinion. Um, because children are quite opinionated when you ask them. They've got they've got some views and they're often, as I said, really well thought through. And sometimes not, but a good teacher can bring out, you know, can develop yeah. that thought process. I think as well, um, there seems to be a movement at the moment with this idea of curiosity and asking questions and actively learning. Um, I saw um, an advert on TV a few days ago from Google and they're actively encouraging people especially around cultural differences and maybe you don't know what this is but you're curious about it but you're worried to ask questions in case it seems insensitive so I think like you said this type of learning where it's really interactive it allows children to see different opinions and also understand things that maybe you won't have to deal with something like a religious difference or a cultural difference but it's good to understand people who have those differences and where they're coming from yeah yeah, you yeah. made a point before that I just wanted to touch on quickly about how we c- we could do this type of learning in a classroom with discussion, and you could um, also send children off individually to look at it, then come back for the discussion. I just wanted to say that sounds really good because I know everyone learns differently, and some people who may not feel comfortable if they're a bit more introverted talking in a live discussion might want to still go and do the dilemma themselves. So it sounds like you've got a really good system here where it caters for all levels of learning. Yeah, um, we don't certainly hope so, but it's designed with that that in mind. Um, there is a lot of discussion, but you're absolutely right. Uh, in fact, we've mentioned some of the lesson plans. We've actually made a point you know, to the teachers, Don't. this is a sensitive topic. Don't sort of force any child to answer this and make it clear you don't have to answer if you don't want to. But if anybody wants to talk about this and feels comfortable, that's absolutely fine and we'll all listen respectfully, et cetera, et cetera. Which is all good teachers would do, you know, without thinking about it. But there will be children who will learn better by exploring with a, just just in, in pairs, for example, exploring writing like it in down. smaller groups, smaller groups, yeah. that sort of thing. And that's again, that's why this is this is not teachers switching on a screen and sitting back and watching it happen. They have to be actively engaged in the lesson. The teaching assistants have to be actively engaged in the lesson, supporting it. They've really got to be involved to make it, to make it work. Mm-hmm. Because some children will need more support. Um, but again, when, 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 I, when, I, when I was teaching, this kind of learning is quite surprising in terms of who says what and who's capable of what in your class. Because this kind of learning, I, 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 children always surprise me, but teachers will find children saying things that they didn't expect them to say and showing the maturity that they don't expect and the potential that they didn't expect. And the academic children won't necessarily respond to this as well as the non-academic children. Yeah. It, it, and it's it's a nice way when I run these kind of sessions uh, in person um, one of the things that I really like is surprising the teacher with how capable their student is when they didn't think it was didn't think they were. when we ran the, 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 the physical centres um, there'd often be a child that was clearly sort of seen as uh, was clearly difficult for the teacher and I, I understand that, I've had children like that myself so I would always deliberately spot them doing something right yeah. Um, because in a in a in a practical learning session about safety or safeguarding, there were lots of opportunities for that, and then making a big fuss about it, and you could almost see uh, the child realizing, oh, I can do something, and my teacher's the confidence, yeah, yeah confidence. My teacher's pleased with me. Ah, right. And it, it's a little chink of light for the teacher to take away and say, right, 
I've seen a different side to that pupil now. I'm going to find yeah. the good, find the good stuff. Um, yeah, because I think as well, um, like you said, learning styles differ, and you do have children who are more academic than others. But then you have people who are visual learners and verbal learners and people who want to get up and actually walk through the situation. So it sounds like you've done a really good job to make sure it's really inclusive as well as accessible to everyone. Yeah, hope so. I mean, we always we, we used to sort of try and make things. There's obviously a lot of visual uh, uh, in there because it's a visual, the yeah. product visual. Um, but there's a lot of written things, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of written things as well. There's a lot of discussion, so it's all rules. There's a lot of activities, there's, there are activities they can do in the class. And, and the, th- the third element that doesn't, doesn't yet feature as part of the safeguarding module, but within the future modules I've mentioned, is our outdoor element, which basically means getting, te- encouraging teachers and supporting them to go outside school. It doesn't have to be actually outdoors. Um, so that's more practical learning. So for, for road safety, for example, planning a route to the local shopping centre and actually taking your class on that route um, and uh, making sure there's a police officer that happens to be in the right place at the right time yeah. as you plan that route, because we're working in partnership with the police. Um, that 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 would that would cover the, the sort of kinesthetic um, practical. You know, yeah. the people, people that like to move around to learn, it covers that as well. So we are we, we do hope we've, we've covered all the bases. Of course. So just speaking about those modules, I think we've covered the safeguarding one in quite a lot of detail. You've mentioned the outdoor one. What are some of the other modules that you currently offer? Uh, well, at the moment, we, we only launched last week, as it, as it was, as we're speaking yeah. at the end of March, <laughs> we only launched last week. So the, mo- the module we've got is safeguarding for 10 to 14s. Perfect. Um, but, but as I say, there are, there's a whole suite of lesson plans and schemes of work for Key Stage 2 and Key Stage 3 in that. So the platform is really, um, there's a lot in it already. Um, as we add new modules, uh, we're going to add them for member schools who've signed up. Um, I should say some uh, some of them funded in the southwest. We've got funded places, limited number of funded places for schools, but schools anywhere in the UK can sign up for a small um, a small subscription fee. Okay. Um, and any new modules that get added during their membership will be added at no extra cost. So once you've joined, you get everything that that we're, that we're developing. Well, that sounds um, amazing. Which, well, the, the main reason is I don't, you know, just if we had an active travel module, I would like all the schools that say, signed up for safeguarding to benefit from that. I don't see why, yes. you know, it, it, it's, um, and actually some schools or some teachers or some organizations will, um, will come to us through a, one, a topic like safeguarding and they'll think, oh, actually, I didn't know you're doing all this active travel stuff as well. We'd, we'd, um, great, we'd, we'd use that. And some schools will be doing about, you know, covering active travel and wanting to get their kids walking to school. And we'll come across the safeguarding and think, oh, we, we need to, we need to, we need to work on our safeguarding. Exactly. And the partnership with yourselves and my concern software is, is, is really helpful with that. Um, and it just all gets a bit more joined up. Yeah. So, but, but the, the next phase, as I say, is to extend safeguarding. The one after that is probably active travel. Yeah. Um, finance. We'd like to cover fire, water and road safety and home safety. Um, I think that's really important. At, at various points. Yeah. Um, Cause we talk about, um, in safeguarding a lot of children who are young carers and yes. who are responsible for cooking for their younger siblings or even for their parents. So yeah. I think those skills, like you said, yeah. are really important. Yeah. And, the, and still city would be a great way of doing it because you, you'd have dilemmas in the, you know, in the kitchen around cooking and gas. Um, you know, electrical safety, water safety, um, and then the, and then another one, uh, is for home leavers, which we'd like to run, which is a sort of 14 plus age around, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving home for the first time. Potentially I'm, I'm leaving care or I'm going to my own flat or I'm going to university for, you know, for some, for some young people. And, um, what, what am I responsible for? How, do, who, who pays the bills? How do I stay safe? 
How do I get home safely after a night out? All these sorts of things. Again, the platform will be really, um, a really powerful way of uh, preparing them for that, that kind of thing, which, as we, we started off with saying, um, is not really covered that much in schools. No, definitely. Yeah, but, like, it sounds like you found this massive gap in mm-hmm. all the education where we're learning a lot about math and science and English and poetry, and it's fantastic, but then the actual life skills that you take away – Sometimes you get to the age of 18 and you're like, oh, what what happens now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Cool. I just have one more question for you. Um, how do you think having the skill study and having access to all um, these modules will have, would have affected you when you were still teaching? That's a good question. When I was still teaching, I thought you were going to say when I was a child, but there's, there's quite a few things things there. What, one is this is fantastic because there's no marking. There's no, there's not really any planning. You've got to read the stuff, but this is, this is about a quality discussion between you and your students that they're going to be really engaged with and really enjoy. And when you've done it, I mean, the only work I can think of is that a, a child discloses something and you have to, you know, you have to report, do it, yeah. you know, report something through, through whatever system the school's got. Um, that it, it's great for teachers because it's, it's, it's fun. It's hard. It's going to be difficult topics, but it's, it should be fun, engaging, shouldn't result in any extra work for them. Um, I, I think, um, I mean, every teacher will have a story about how they saw a different side to a child. And for me, it was taking children to the Forest of Dean for a, a week of, of outdoor activity and completely changing my relationship with two or three of those children that were quite difficult at school and just understanding them. Yeah. And I think that this is classroom based. But because of the topics you're covering and discussing, I think it will really help teacher pupil relationships and behaviour potentially because you, you can only deliver this effectively by being empathetic yeah. and being understanding and non-judgmental. And it, it puts teachers in a, you know, with a really powerful topic that the children are interested in and they probably do want to talk about in, in lots of cases. And I think it would, I think it will really help pupil teacher relationships, which helps behavior, which will help in those academic topics. This is not something that's separate to those academic targets that teachers have got. This is, this will help, this will help you. And, and in the setup for what we're doing now, um, we've realised that these is- the issues that teachers are dealing with now, I mean, I was teaching 10, 15 years ago, it's it's so much worse now in terms of pupil mental health, yes. safeguarding concerns, um, the backgrounds that children, you know, the, the number of children in poverty has just shot up. Um, teachers now are dealing with so much, and this, uh, I would have benefited from this as a teacher myself, even in the... They weren't good old days, you know, in, in the days when things were, I didn't think th- things that weren't quite as bad. Yeah. Um, I think now this, I, I hope teachers think this is a godsend because um, it, it's, as I say, it's a way to deal with some of those topics that are underlying. You're thinking these kids really need this, this and this. But today I've got to talk about adverbial, adverbial, what can I say, adverbial phrases. There or I've got go. to, <laughs> to memorise the, the 12 times table or whatever. Yeah. I'm being, I'm being slightly simplistic now, but. Um, actually, no. Let, let's talk about how we're feeling and how our, you know, how our the choices that we make can affect our mental health. Choices that other people make can affect our mental health. Let's talk about some real life stuff. And I think, as a teacher, I would go home after that day and say, "That's I've done a good job today," because those those children have talked about some real issues that matter to them, and they've gone home with a bit of a spring in their step because they are they're just thinking, "Oh, I'm, I'm not on my own." Yeah. Um, I know how to get help, um, and um, and I've got a better relationship with my teacher. Good. So I'd have loved it. I'd have loved it. Amazing. I'm glad to hear that. Okay, well, thank you so much, Rob. It's been a really 
wonderful session just talking to you about the work you guys are doing. Um, off the top of your head, do you know the website that teachers can go to? For, of, course, um, of course I do. I wake, I wake up in the morning with it in my head. It's www.360, as in the digits, 360skillsforlife.org. And if you put slash teacher after that, you'll go straight to the schools page. Perfect. And what we'll do for our listeners is we'll have the URL available in all the show notes so you can access it really quickly and easily. Um, yeah, it was amazing to meet you, Rob, and thank you for telling us all about the amazing work you guys are doing for the Skill City and Skills for Life. It sounds absolutely incredible and really beneficial for students and teachers everywhere. Thank you. Well, thank you for the opportunity to explain it a little bit more. Thank you. No worries. Thank you for listening to the Safeguarding Podcast. For resources and more information about our safeguarding solutions, please visit thesafeguardingcompany.com.